Well, 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 welcome to the mayhem Dick and Lloyd mayhem Media mayhem Market in a mayhem You might love it, you might hate it Here's my favorite freaking show Hey, welcome everybody, Dick Wilson here Loy Edge here, Dick, always great to be with you Got another great show lined up for you here As we talk to interesting people who've created a little mayhem in their lives also Today we're talking to former Kansas City talent Now national talent, Roberta Solomon Who is big in the voiceover world The great Roberta Solomon She has done so many things in media and marketing In Kansas City and nationally And we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about with her. Well, I tell you, if you were a voiceover artist or a wannabe voiceover artist, listen to Roberta. You'll learn some things in this program. I would No, and and hang on a minute. Let let me get this. Hello? Yeah, Dick. It's Tony Labruzzo, second base coach for the Kansas City Royals. Oh, hi, Tony. How you doing? Uh, Okay. Yeah, boys, you know, they they ain't doing so good, you know, and I'm... Man. The, 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 the crowds are down. So. Okay. But we got a we got a promo coming up. I think it's gonna help. Oh really? Uh, what is it? Yeah, we got Foam Finger Day. Foam Finger Day. Yeah, the beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me text you one. Uh, okay. On a I got a I'll look for it. Picture of one here. All right. Okay, Dick. See it? Yeah, but wait a minute. It's not one finger. It's holding up four fingers. Well, yeah. I mean. And we know we're not going to get any higher than four, so why bullshit everybody, you know? Hey, we're on the line. Hey, Lloyd, look at this. We've got one of the top voiceover people, as far as I know, in the world on the line (laughs) this year. Everybody knows Roberta. Yeah, Roberta Solomon. Hi, Roberta. Well, hi. I love you both. Thank you for the conversation. This is cool. So glad you're joining us. Yeah, it's a, a media and marketing mayhem show, and we know you've been involved in a lot of those things. Yes, so. I have, all of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Media yeah. and marketing and much mayhem. <laughs> all right, we've got a lot of things to talk about with you, but let's start off first. Something that Loy brought up to me, you are in a Hall of Fame I didn't know about. Yes, I am. I'm in the horror host, the TV horror host Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> Cremation. I was. Uh, Cremation Mortem was inducted in 2012 into um, Horror Hound Magazine's TV Horror Host Hall of Fame, which I think wow. was co-sponsored with by Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> Lock the doors. Turn down the lights and move up closer if you dare. Because the time has arrived and there's no escape from Cremation's Friday Nightmare. I was inducted along with Elvira. Those those (laughs) listeners who aren't, uh, you know, of a certain age, when was Cremation Mortem uh, ruling the underworld of horror and you were on... uh, Kansas City Television. I was. From when to when with that Well, I, it's hard to tell when Cremation popped out of her coffin first. Um, I think it was about 1980, uh, the end of 81, and I did the show weekly until January of 1990, so basically nine years. And, oh, wow. Um, I did it on you, KSHB. That's a lot of makeup. It's a to- and it's a. I, w- I went through a bu- many corsets and a lot of wigs. Do you remember Wild Woodies? 
out in um, I do. Yeah. Wild Woody's warehouse. Yes, Wild Woody's in Independence and they had a they had a wig department that was oh. run by this little Korean lady and about every 3 months my wig they were terrible wigs and um, yeah. and I'd have to go out to Wild Woody's and buy another wig because you know I'd start going bald in the back. <laughs> <laughs> We've all had that problem. Yeah. <laughs> and the lady would go, "You come out here buy another wig. How come they don't last so long?" <laughs> you should have gone to Eva Gaborra Wig Boutique, Ranch Mart, and a Mission Shopping Center. I oh, should man. have. What was I wow. thinking? <laughs> well, you know, uh, uh, somebody that we interviewed earlier on the podcast, uh, Katie McGuckin, uh, was on every now and then as kind of a little side character. Yes, she was. She was my sister. She was Cremacia's sister, Cremora. And and actually, Katie's husband John Willem was oh. our was our mother, Desiree. Oh my! Oh wow! We Man, actually I had two. We had two uh, guys playing Cremacia's mom. The first one was a, a comic in Kansas City, a guy named C. Wayne Owens, and okay. Wayne um, did it for a while, and then wasn't available. And then we brought we brought in John. <laughs> and <laughs> went over to the the costume shop at UMKC at the at uh, Missouri Rep, and borrowed a bunch of really horrible you know lady costumes, and mm-hmm. decked him out, and it was oh, hilarious. Boy. Well, you didn't get a lot of blowback like with the two Darren Stevensons, did you? No, we did not. I mean, you remember when they sh- switched Darrens? That that was kind of a hard time for people. Yeah, yeah, we all had trouble getting through it. Yeah, yeah. no, I right. think we made some joke about, well, mom had some surgery, or. <laughs> 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 I still remember when you did the show out at the haunted house there at UMKC. Oh yeah, and we did mm-hmm. we, we did a, a bunch of places. We um, we did the uh, it was Epperson House at UMKC. That was really fun. Yeah. That you came on. That was that was delightful. And then we did um one show, Worlds of Fun had a haunted house for a while. We did a mm-hmm. Halloween show there. And then we did another one out at Longview Mansion when they were rehabbing that and it was really cool. We did a, a, a rap video. <laughs> Okay. There's still a song floating out around there from that, I think, somewhere on YouTube. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Wow, I hope the video's up. We are the Mortems. We love bats and spiders. We also love to scare outsiders. We get together every Halloween to get a bit of culture and to see and be seen. I think it is. It is, yeah. yeah. I'll send you the link. I'll, I'll uh, make sure to find it and send you. Roberta, were you and Dick on the air at the same time at any point? Yeah. Well, I was in there in mid '80s, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we were. Mm-hmm. You were same station too, right? We were. Yeah. I, I was all night live. Dick was doing was, all night live, and I was that doing was the back future when the future. Channel Forty One had a lot of fun shows on, besides just news and weather. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing that was really cool about um, that station is that um, we were both on the air. At pretty much when cable was in its infancy. I mean, yeah. you know, and there were these stations all around the country that were super stations, which rather than just serving their own um, communities, KSHB was like a mini super station. And um, we went out on cable to six or eight states in the Midwest. And so because of that, the show had um, the shows, you know, the, especially the live shows had a really huge following and it continues i still have people sending me you know sort of picks up around halloween but i get 
mail email from people <laughs> to this day and we just wow. last year um or yeah late last year um launched some uh cremation t-shirts there's a oh a guy in we took the original um, artwork from the the t-shirts that we gave away on the show and recreated it i teamed up with an artist a guy in las vegas who runs a company called fear what you wear and it's mm. fearwhatyouwear.com and um and we la- we just relaunched these you know cremation t-shirts and people are buying them which is hilarious oh my gosh that's wonderful so, good golly didn't see that coming did you roberta <laughs> What that 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 she would still be popular? Low these that many years would, later. That she would come back in the t-shirt market there. No, yeah. no, but you know, I refer to her as like the thing that wouldn't die. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's actually some guy in Seattle who just reached out to me a couple weeks ago, and he's got he's got an '80s bingo night that he does, and um, he plays stupid videos and creature features and stuff, you know. At the and he wanted to know if I had any old videos i don't know how he i think he's a kansas city guy who's living in seattle now and um, wanted to know if i had any old videos to share with him and so and and i do but i actually have to get them digitized because um they're still on on hard media so um i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna send him some cremation videos to play on his bingo night which is hilarious it's so hard to find those three-quarter machines to download all of your videos anymore yeah 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 and you know the thing with that show is that um when we first started doing it i mean you know i think they gave me like 500 bucks for a costume and and a set you know, it was like we had no money, and uh, and so I went and I bought to a corset and a <laughs> long black wig, and a bunch of makeup, and then I think we I went out um, to a bunch of thrift stores and garage sales and bought the set pieces, and uh, we would record the show, and then we would play it back, and then the next week we would record over the show we had aired the week prior. Oh, so yeah. we basically had two big reels of two inch tape, you know, that we were recording on every, oh my. every week. And it was only about um, maybe four, three or four years into the show that we went, maybe we ought to start saving these because <laughs> I don't know, you think anybody would care? And so we started, you know, recording them then and and uh, and creating a little library. But there's a whole like half of the show where it there's nothing out there because we recorded over it. Well, I'm glad you saved some of them. Well, those are going to pop up one of these days when you finally get them digitized. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of stuff floating around out there too. That's very, um, very fun. There's some clips on YouTube and but I've got what's really fun actually, Dick. I um, on some of the um, uh, videos that I have of that show, you're voicing some of the commercials. <laughs> oh, we're, oh, man, so wow! <laughs> well, that was a great interview. You haven't done anything since then, Roberta. So uh, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Uh, hang on a minute. Hang on. Got an internal call coming in. Yeah, hello. Dick. Hey, man. How you doing with the podcast? Oh, folks, it's it's Buzz Martini, uh, the sales guy for our podcast. Yeah, uh, we're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Listen, there's 8 million podcasts out there, champ. I don't know how we're going to promo this thing. 
So I'm thinking, hey, let's do what the other successful guys do. Well, what, what, are, you th- what are you thinking? Uh, you know, the survivalist deal. We got all kinds of things out there we can sell. I mean, you got gold and silver. You, you know, there's a currency collapse. You got nuclear war coming. What? Uh, vaccines are bad. And the uh, chemtrails, they're ruining the world. I mean, what? the whole world is going to be, like, destroyed in just a matter of weeks. Well, wait a minute. If, if we're that close to the end, why are we even doing this podcast? Yeah, you got a point. Uh... Well, let's go back then to the idea of selling I Love Dick t-shirts. No, 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 hold on. Hang in there, champ. We'll get those dick t-shirts in any day now. Hold it. Our guest today, voiceover artist Roberta Solomon. I remember you uh, at a radio station that I worked with, and then you went away, and then you became a major voice talent. Uh, Tell us from start to finish how that happened. Well, it just took about a day or so. Okay, yeah. (laughs) No, well, so this has all been a a continuous path. Um, I started out in radio um, working at KCUR, the um, public radio station in Kansas City, and pretty quickly jumped to KMBR, which was the old, beautiful music station in town. And then that switched to, it became a soft rock station. I started out doing the 7 to midnight shift, moved to mornings, co-hosted the show for 10 years with my the guy who became my husband, Jim Welch. And so he and I did morning radio uh, together. And then while that was all going on, while I was doing morning radio, I also joined with um, nine other really great voice talent in Kansas City, and we formed a talent agency, Voices, um, which still exists in its present incarnation. It was basically a talent co-op, but a talent agency. While that was happening, I also was doing the Creature Feature. I was working at Channel 41. But... I was building, I started, because when I was on the, um, on the air, there weren't a lot of women uh, on the air as, as radio hosts. So I started getting asked to do commercials that would play out of house, you know, or on TV stations. And then it became, I was doing a lot of corporate voice work and, and that grew and grew and grew. And I love that work. I just love it because when I'm in the studio, I love telling stories. That's what I'm supposed to, that's what I'm here to do. And so that work grew and I loved it. And at some point I looked at it and went, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good with this extra work. Maybe if I paid attention to it and focused on it, I could grow it. And so over the course of a few years, I really started getting serious about promoting myself and getting my demos out there and, you know, um, all of that. And in 94, I walked away from the radio station and put a studio in my home and um, was already doing enough commercial and corporate work that that was a full-time income. But that work is very... Uh, you don't know from one day to the next whether you're going to be employed the next week, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah, sure. it's one-off yeah. work. And so because I had been in radio and we had cycled through any number of radio consultants on both my station and the the AM side, KMBZ, um, I had a list of about probably six or eight radio consultants that I had gotten to know 
And I started thinking, I wonder... Every radio station and every TV station has a voice. It's the branding voice of the station. It can be the guy who says, we rock Kansas City, or, you know, we deliver the news that affects you, you know, whatever. But at that time, there weren't a lot of women doing that imaging um, work, radio imaging. So I reached out to these consultants and I said, do your stations ever ask you for a woman? And if so, who are you hiring? And they said, you know, there were really only about three women that are doing this work, send us a demo. So I put together a demo and um, started sending it out to radio consultants. And then started, I thought, well, I'll, I'll start with radio stations that are in um, states around Kansas, around Kansas and Missouri. So I sent my demo to stations in Iowa and Nebraska and, you know, all over. And Arkansas and Oklahoma, and started picking up work. And I saw, so I left radio in a, my air shift in April of '94, and by January of '95, I signed up my first radio imaging client, which was KDAT in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Hmm. And um, and then I, by the end of that year, I think I had maybe four or five radio stations. And the following year, I had 10. And then the following year, it just exploded. And because there were not a lot of women imaging radio stations, I started to get a lot of work. And, and then I also was reaching out to TV stations. Who are your, you know, voices? And are you hiring a woman? And, and I started lining up TV stations. And the cool thing about that work is they the stations none of them pay you a whole lot um, but they have you under a contract they pay you a retainer every month and it's based on market size and so if you get if you have three radio stations or five radio stations and a couple of tv stations all of a sudden you know you've got a monthly you know a, a chunk you've of, got groceries you've got groceries that's a rare thing in the business isn't it, it totally <laughs> is and even to this day there is very little work that is done these days under a contract and so that work i just sort of stumbled into because i knew you know all these consultants well it sounds like you really took control of that process yourself i think this would be very interesting to a lot of people who wondered how how can I get into this? How does the voiceover, how do these people, you know, hook up with these stations? But it sounds like it wasn't an agent. No. You just did it yourself. You just you just contacted these people and used the connections that you had to build more connections. And I did. And, um, and letters. And my mentor was Drew Dimmel. Drew basically told me how to do it. Drew was the first guy I knew who had a recording studio in his home. And he was voicing... TV stations all over the country, and I'm like, how do you, how do you do that? And he he shared he basically told showed me how to do it. So I did have guidance because he he helped me. But once I got started, then it was you know building building on relationships, and um, and I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And there was a lot of um, serendipity to it as as well in terms of my well, my timing but also you're threading a needle when you're when you're a female voice artist and you're doing the kind of work you're doing yes it's hard to be uh, appealing 
to a wide spectrum of male listeners yeah. as a female artist. So you're, you have the perfect, you're friendly and likable and happy and ageless with your voice. Thank you. And all that stuff is, I mean, that's nuance. That's the art that you bring. Well, it's, it's a, really good. It's really, you know, voiceover, uh, it's really a fascinating world to live in um, because I spent a lot of time trying to sound like other people, um, trying to sound like what I thought the, you know, the, the art form required, trying to sound like, you know, the people who were doing it. And, and then, but it, it was hard as a woman because the work that I aspired to, there were no women doing it. And, right. you know, I wanted to do movie trailers. I wanted to do network promos. And um, I remember being in a voiceover workshop going, I know why I sound like an idiot, because I'm trying to sound like Don LaFontaine. He's a man. <laughs> I'm a woman. Why is this not going to work? <laughs> For everybody who doesn't know, that's the inner world guy. Yeah, he is. He is the legendary uh, trailer voice. But... Um, you know, it's one thing, one foot in front of the next. And when I first started doing um, radio and uh, it, radio imaging and TV station work, the agents didn't really know what uh, that that existed, that that work existed. And I could not find an agent to represent me for that work. And it was so for eight years, basically, from the time I left um, for, for the first eight years that I was doing it, I did all my own marketing. I did all my own uh, invoicing. I wrote all my own contracts. I mean, I had an attorney helping me, but I basically did everything myself. I did all my own bookkeeping because I couldn't find an agent to represent me for that work. And finally, it wasn't until... 2006 that I signed with CESD talent uh, in New York, which then had a, uh, they were building an imaging and affiliate department. And I was their first woman that they brought on um, for, for that department. And, and then had a couple of different agents. I had a, one out in Los Angeles as well. Um, and then in 2010 signed with Atlas talent that has, there are a couple of agencies that represent most of the imaging and affiliate talent, and Atlas is, is one of them. But it was a long time, and I did it all myself. Well, you were the trailblazer, it looks wow. like, and they yeah. had to catch, you had to wait around for the agents to catch up with you. Yeah, yeah. And they and started specializing There in were that. people all over the country doing this, you know, mostly guys. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it, it wasn't until... I don't know, maybe 2000, the early 2000s that um, the agency started waking up going, there, there are these people all around the country that are making a lot of money working for these TV and radio stations. Maybe we ought to help them. We need to cut on that thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were all focused on getting those national television and radio campaigns because that's where the big... The big fish were yeah, you know, the and big there dollars. are there are many many reasons for that. It isn't because it isn't lack of vision on their part. There were lots of reasons that the local agents and the national agents just 
you know, it was kind of like illegitimate stepchild work, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I back in 1980 or so, when I, when I was PD over at KY 102, uh, I decided I wanted to use Ernie Anderson oh, for our yeah. radio voice. And he was the ABC guy on the love boat. Yeah. That guy. And so I uh, wrote up some things and contacted him out there. And as you say, they had no idea what to charge. They had no idea what to do. They had nothing. So, yeah, it was a learning process. Yep. Yep. All right, let's talk a minute about uh, what your day is like as a voiceover person. Oh, my gosh. Well, there is no, I have no schedule. Um, I have to build in some solidity. I, my morning routine is all, the, it's always the same. You know, I get up, drink my coffee, wash my face, do my, brush my teeth, work out a little bit, journal, meditate, and then go into the day. But it starts really early because here on the West Coast, you know, we're I'm dealing with a time zone thing. Mm-hmm. And then I can I can step into my studio and have nothing on the books. And then all of a sudden the day explodes and I have TV stations wanting me to cut promos or I'll get a, you know, my agent will send me a note going, hey, you got booked for, a, you know, a, a commercial or, a, you know, somebody who wants to cut a promo and and then I can I can also step into the studio in the morning and have tons of stuff on the books and everything cancels. So Oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, the day is very fluid and um so I uh record the things that are quick turnaround like right now we're in TV sweeps and so my TV stations are sending me promos. I got one this morning pretty early um from one station that um they needed it to to start airing this afternoon. Last night, Head off, barely breathing. Heart of Illinois ABC shared the powerful story of a local medical team saving one of their own. I'll bet you've heard every crazy story that TV people do during uh, sweeps. I Yes. You yes. Know? There's something in your garden hose that you need to know about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tonight at 10. <laughs> That water coming out of your garden hose looks so refreshing, but is it really? Is there something (laughs) inside your garden hose that could hurt you? (laughs) (laughs) Tonight. (laughs) Yeah, tonight at 10. Actually, you know, the thing, one of the things that I really, really love, I love telling stories in local communities. I love feeling like, um, like, I just love telling local stories. And so it's really gratifying to me to be able to be part of these uh, part of these stories. I did one um, yesterday for a station that I have in um, Peoria, a TV station, and they are following a group of veterans who are taking their honor flight to go to Washington, D.C. and visit all the war memorials. They're sending a reporter, and they're going to do live reports of these, you know, because a lot of these guys have never been to D.C. before. And then they're going to come back and have a little, you know, like a welcome home party for them. I don't know. But it's so it's really cool. So I, I, I love that. So the day is like I'm doing stuff for TV stations. My radio stations are, you know, sending me contest promos and, um, you know, sponsorship mentions and, uh, you know, whatever they're doing, liners and sweepers all day long. And and um, and then in between, I audition all day. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. So much of its work, is there time for auditioning? Oh, yeah, all day long. And the, the thing that's happening now is 
the auditions are really fast turnaround. And especially as you get up the voiceover food chain, when you're auditioning for, let's say, a network show or to be the voice of a network or a news program or something like that, uh, the turnaround is so fast. I did a, um, so I'll get, I can get an audition from my agent in New York and they'll say, we need this in, you know, like an hour and a half, or we need this in, you know, 20 minutes. And it's like, you can't get upset about that because this is how quickly these people are working. And, um, I did a, a couple of weeks ago, I went to a voiceover workshop in Los Angeles and, um, the woman who is the vice president of marketing for ABC sat in with us on the first day. And she said, ABC turns out like between 900 and a thousand discrete pieces of video promos for their shows a day. Tonight's Jimmy Kimmel Live is brought to you by Lighter Fluid. This barbecue season, use plenty of it on your grill. The more you use, the more exciting your barbecue will be. Say goodbye to your eyebrows with Lighter Fluid. You think of all the shows that they have, all of the promotion that they're doing on air, now all of the promotions that they're doing on other platforms, you know, on each show has its own YouTube channel and they're pr promoting online and they're promoting, you know, they have their iPhone apps. And so they are cranking it out so fast that they don't have time to, half the time they don't even have time to be with you in the session because they're like, we're, we're just working on nine things at once here. Just do mm -hmm. it and send it back. And so that's really been um, the speed at which the, this content is being churned out has really affected what goes on with us with voice talent in the booth because we have to now be self-directed because nine times out of ten there's not a producer on the phone with you. you got to be able to take a piece of copy and look at it and go, what's the story? Who am I talking to? Why should they care? Where's the turn? What's the drama? What is this story really about? Is it about selling a thing or is it about love and connection and, you know, whatever? And wow. and that's one of the things that's so fascinating to me about, about doing voice work because it changes the technology affects what the sound that we are are being asked to make and sure. um, yeah. and i think one of the things that is really fascinating is you know you hear about um, the challenge now is well we want authenticity that's because the product is being churned out so quickly all they want to hear is you what's your take on on this you know mm -hmm. program or this thing you're selling or whatever what what's your unique point of view and on one hand when you've trained your whole life to sound like a promo artist or sound like a you know rock voice or sound like whatever um asked to at being asked to be authentic is really scary we, uh, don't sound like an announcer we don't want an announcer yeah non-announcerly yeah, yeah. Where does your natural voice go that you feel like you've got to take care on that? You don't get too Midwestern or... Oh, you know, no, I don't, I don't even think about that. Um, I think, you know, coming from the Midwest, obviously that's an advantage because we don't have a lot of, um, we don't have a regional accent really, you know. But you do read all for all the hillbilly spots, that, <laughs> right? When I was in L.A., it was always like, well, this calls for... 
a an Appalachian hillbilly. We'll give that to Loy. He's from that area. <laughs> or it would be like, well, they want a Midwestern person from Michigan. We'll give that to Loy. He's from that area. So to them, the whole it's like anything from Jed Clampett to uh, you know Buck Owens. It's all That's there. That's funny. That's funny. Well, now you know there are so many people doing voiceover work that um, it used to be that you had to be you had to have all of these characters in your arsenal, and. If you're doing video games or if you're doing animation, that still holds true. But um, for commercial work, corporate work, for, you know, uh, TV affiliate work and network promos, um, if they want a voiceover person who sounds like they're from Appalachia, they will find, they'll get a real person who sounds like, who who comes from there. Who's in his studio on the mountain somewhere. Yes, exactly. I know a guy who booked a grocery store (laughs) uh, chain in Hawaii, and he was from Philadelphia, and they said, sound Hawaiian. That's funny. (laughs) I got called in, it's really funny, I, I sort of have always believed that you follow, you know, you follow the work. It's always fascinating to to me, you know, what I'm getting asked to do. And for a while, I was um, brought in to be to do a um, like not quite a voice match, but um, for D- uh, Judy Dench, Dame Judy Dench, wow. and um, and I was doing all of these um, voice jobs for uh, the D- 007 games, you know, that that were uh, tied to the mm. to the movies, and I thought, oh, I'm so cool, and then I realized that what they do is they will bring in a you know kind of wor- working voice grunt like me to uh, to demo all of this these jobs and you know or to the different iterations of the game or the you know product that they're putting together and at the last minute then they bring in uh, Dame Judy Dench you were the stunt voice this is yeah. so cool i'm going to hear myself on the 007 oh no you're not because uh, that was a scratch track you were just yeah. a vocal placeholder until the real thing <laughs> we're just figuring out where to put the explosions that's exactly it so i was doing that but i wind up doing a lot of um, i'm the voice of of the world's largest hardcore concert promoter and and so i do a lot of like voice of doom you know yeah heavy metal stuff yeah it's like this heavy metal you know crazy stuff and they do these concerts all over europe and russia and 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 i'm the voice of the concert we welcome you to the world's leading hardcore podcast fueled by the hardest and the most vicious hardcore of today and tomorrow. Well, I was going to ask you, what's the farthest away that you have done a job for? Well, for a long time, I was the um, one of the voices of HBO Asia. And mm-hmm. I would, you know, sit in my little studio in Kansas City and record with HBO Asia, which is headquartered in Singapore. But um, their programming goes out all over Japan and Vietnam and Cambodia and all over India. So I was doing that for a while. Right now, it's really mostly in in Europe, you know, through this concert work that I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but for cool. a while, it was pretty cool to be sitting in Leewood, Kansas, and connecting with these people in Singapore who became my friends. I ultimately met him in New York, the producers from HBO Asia, and um, and knowing that 
this work was going to be all over India, and like people were going to be sitting in their living rooms in India watching. <laughs> in, yeah, in their underwear. In their underwear, you know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> wow. So that was cool. That was very good. Cool. That is something. Hey Dick, let's let's uh, let's go down and get a drink. Let's go down to the lounge. I'm ready. I'm we'll ready. Lounge. Wow. All right. Come on down. All right. Oh. Oh, it's you two guys. If you're here to empty my ashtray, good timing. <laughs> it's always work involved when we get here. Uh, what do you got for us today? Yeah, we're working up a song about fake news. Oh. Hey, Four Eyes, come here. Oh, come on. Hey, you. Yeah, me. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. Who's there? Phil Fuller. F- Phil Fuller? Phil Fuller who? Phil Fuller Jack Daniels, Poindexter. Let's go. Uh, More? Right. That's good. Uh, okay. Okay, boys, let's do that fake news tune. You see it in the grocery store. The headline had you wanting more They got some handle on a scandal You find out is a phony flap Those words just turds They're part of the fake news crap That movie star you love is gay You can't believe he goes that way You kinda had your doubts till you figured out it's crap Those males, just tales, they're part of the fake news rap The headlines say Politicians in a three-way You got it home and read It was a fender bender on the Way. And all at once it makes some sense They're trying to get you 50 cents But now it's five bucks, so that's tough luck You're a sap You were hooked, you were schnook You were fooled by that fake fish rap Celebrity divorces But now they're still in love Guess you could have used some better sources And all at once you feel so dumb Instead of out having fun You wasted every night with some website on your lap You told all your friends about the stuff that you read They all think you've lost your freaking head You took the bait, now your fate Is the fake news trash Stay away from that fake news 
Hey, we'll do it, Frank. Hey, hey, from Portland, Oregon, our guest voiceover artist, Roberta Solomon. Talk to me a minute about another part of your life, and I know it's very important to you. How has your spirituality helped you in your job? Wow, that's a good question. I have always believed that my purpose here on Earth is to be a conduit for stories. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been about my voice from the time I was a little kid. Um, I, I believe that my purpose is to use my voice to, you know, to, to channel channel stories, and I hope they'll be good stories. Um, and that's kind of always been at the at the center of what I do. Really now. Uh, and, and also, I'm sort of, so I live in, I live in multiple worlds. I'm kind of a woo-woo type. I also, you know, am, I'm a Jewish Buddhist. I'm a, I'm a non-observant Jew who has a Buddhist meditation practice. And as I have meditated more and more and now been doing this voice work for a long time, it's just really solidified to me, in me, that that my... I, th- I think, we're, you know, we're all here to do something. My belief is we're all here to do something and to become the best versions of ourselves that we can so we can give our, put our energy out into the world. And the the Jewish, there's a Kabbalistic concept that basically is that words um, have l- little angels that are sort of attached to them. And when you speak the words, they go out into the world and the little angels manifest the intention of the of the word or the meaning of the word and which is whether you believe that or not I don't know but it's a cool story so with all of that in in mind every time I step into the booth no matter what I'm saying uh, my intention is that I will be a conduit for spirit my voice will be a conduit for spirit Mm-hmm. And um, and that's only strengthened as times passed. Um, and I just I, I feel an incredible sense of gratitude that I get to do this, that I I'm one of the you know those rare people who I, I'm doing exactly what I think I was put on the face of the earth to do. So everything that I do, all the work I do has a spiritual, Component. I see from the photo of your booth, you even have some some Hindu. What is that? I, well, I have I a, like that. this beautiful. I have a Tibetan tanka, you know, which is a, um, a a fabric wall hanging in here that was given to me. I'm I'm very good friends with a, a guy in Kansas City who's a Tibetan Buddhist monk, and I have over the years helped some of his cousins who live in the um, in India go to school. And as a thank you, they sent me this gorgeous fabric wall hanging. Uh, so the boot is in the booth with me. <laughs> so every time you walk into the booth, you just kind of collect yourself and look at that. And I do. On a higher plane, and then start reading about hard rock in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I've got a, um, another thing here that um, that they sent me, which is really cool. It's a saying from the Dalai Lama. It's on another little wall hanging, and it's the true meaning of life. And he has said, we are visitors on this planet. We're here for 90 or 100 years at the very most. 
During that period, we must try to do something good, something useful with our lives. If you contribute to other people's happiness, you will find the true goal or the true meaning of life. And so, you know, I, I, I just feel incredibly lucky that I get to do this. And, um, and I hope that when I do whatever it is that I'm doing, I'll make people feel something, you know, when they, when they hear when they hear the the work. One of the biggest compliments that I that I ever got, I did a, a piece. It was just a pro bono piece for a nonprofit organization. Um, it's an ocean organization called Pacific Wild that is really focused on the uh, west coast of British Columbia, up in like northern British Columbia. There is a protected area there called the Haida Gwaii or the Great Bear Rainforest. And it's the habitat of one of the rarest animals on earth. And I did a, a video for them just describing what they do and, and, you know, some of the work that they're involved in. And I got out of the blue. Some guy from Canada said, reached out with an email and said, I don't know who you are. I, I watched the video and it just really touched me and I waited to see who the narrator was at the end and I just want to let you know I heard your heart in in that video and I went wow thank you mission accomplished <laughs> wow, wow that cool. is a heck of a compliment yeah, so that was good. really cool you know um and that doesn't happen you know uh, hardly at all but Very cool. It's nice, yeah. you know, it's nice when it does. Despite years of requests from First Nations and concerned citizens about the environmental impact of Namu, it remains a significant hazardous waste site on the coast of British Columbia. Tell me about J-O-Y. Uh -huh. Just, uh, sounds like you had a big weekend. Yeah, I did. I got a tattoo. Oh, my God. Isn't that crazy? Uh-oh. Well, no. you know, you moved to Portland. You got. I realized I was the only person in my yoga class that didn't have a tattoo. I felt kind of left out. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't even know why I did this. I, I have thought about it for a while, but I really feel like this year, for whatever reason, there are many, many reasons, but I really feel like I've reconnected with the joy of of my life, uh, of life in general, um, even though it, it's the last couple of years have been hard. I mean, it, it's been good, but it's it's just been hard. And I just feel like this year I am back oriented to my work and life in a way that I haven't been since I was first starting out. When I first started doing radio, when I, I, I remember when I got hired at, at KMBR, and I drove down Ward Parkway, like yelling at the top of my lungs, going, I'm going to be on the radio! And <laughs> it was so exciting. And I was like, oh, my God, they're going to pay me to do this. I can't, I can't even get my head around that. This is the coolest thing. And I, I just felt so connected to the work. I didn't even care if I never got paid. I was just so thrilled that I got to be doing this because it was what I'm, you know, I knew that's what I'm supposed to do. And I feel like I got away from that, you know, it got not, not in radio, but, um, when I got, got into voice work, um, it's, 
it's always been such an incredibly joyful thing to do, but at some point it shifted. It became about how many TV stations can I voice and how many can I be the voice of a network and can I do movie trailers and can I, oh, there's some prestige in that and how much money am I making? And it, it became about something else and it wasn't about the story, the joy of the story on the, on the page. And somehow this year I feel like I've reconnected with that and I'm back in the booth doing, a, approaching the script from a completely um, new place, but it feels like it, like when I was starting out. And also, my middle name is Joy, Roberta Joy. Oh, well, that's right. you've got a great reminder here, a permanent reminder. It's a very happy tattoo. Yes, it is. It is. And it's really kind of fascinating. The guy who wow. did the tattoo was so cool. He, he uh, tattooed in, there's a lot of woo-woo here. Um, he tattooed in Kansas City forever. He lived in, and his parents, um, he, you know, he lived in Kansas City for a long time. He's a um, South African guy. His family still lives there. It, then he bounced around for a couple years and wound up here in Portland. And we, we were talking about Walt Bodine while he was tattooing me. <laughs> <laughs> there are some great Walt Bodine stories. Yes, there are. Yes, there and are. And I don't know if I could be tattooed while I was hearing them because uh, some of them are pretty funny. You know, because we're audio, uh, can you tell us where the tattoo is? It is on the inside. Yes, I can. Um, it is on the inside of my left forearm. Okay. So all I right. can hide it and look all proper, you know. <laughs> but I wanted it I wanted to to be it was for me, you know, I wanted I didn't want to have like, you know, tramp stamp or, you know, uh-huh. s- something that was for other people. I I want it's for me and I want to be able to look at it and be reminded and it's you know, I'm still trying to sort of sort through why why I wanted a tattoo. I don't know. <laughs> But hey, it's done. It's done. It's done. It's there. It's yes. not coming uh-huh. off. <laughs> when you were feeling like there was a little bit less exuberance and joy, was that? Did you have to fight that from coming into your voice? Oh, absolutely. Or, or was your experience just so great at that point that you could just kind of, you know, fake that joy? Ab- no, absolutely. And whatever you're dealing with. Um, uh, you know, whatever is you're dealing with in your life will show up at the mic in one way or it another. Does it's a very and what you've been through. Yeah, I very mean, intimate like a, thing. Millions little scars and nicks, and they're all there. Yes, they are. Good and bad. I work with coaches. I started working with voiceover coaches in two thousand four, five, six, something like that, and. Um, and I have worked steadily with, with voiceover coaches since then. And um, a lot of it is, you know, we're, we're, this is such a weird deal because we're these very collaborative people. You know, we're artists and we love to be, to have part in these wonderful videos or audio projects that we're creating. And we're working with all these other great, talented people, but we don't ever get to see them. Hardly. And you're in your box by yourself all day long, mostly with no one else on the line with you. And so you can very easily get caught up in your own feedback loop. And I think it's really important to get out and to study and practice and practice and practice so that, number one, you can stay abreast of trends because there, is, there, there are vocal trends that, I mean, we've gone through about 15 of them since I started doing this work. 
Now, what's your best way of keeping on top of that? What do you listen to for that? Or is this, is this talk conversations with other people? Or Well, yeah. You know, first of all, I watch a lot of TV. I listen to a lot of radio. Um, listen to, I mean, you know, the, there, there are actually a couple of books that are really extraordinary. There's a, a book called Perfecting Sound Forever, An Oral History of Recorded Music. And it starts with the Victrola, you know, when, when Victrola rolled out their record players. And the, the whole thrust of the, uh, the book is that the dominant technology of the time determines what we consider good sound. And it affects the performance of the singers, the musicians, and in our case, the voiceover people. So the dominant uh, technology of our time is, of course, social media. And the whole YouTubing, you know, you got 20 million uh, YouTube followers and you're doing a, a series out of your bedroom, right? So that is affecting the sound of voiceovers right now. That's a really cool book. And then there's another another one that I just finished that is, I think it's one of the most important books that I've ever read called The Ego is the Enemy. It's by a guy named Ryan Holiday. And he talks about how um, the antidote to an overblown ego <laughs> is practice, practice, practice. When you're succeeding, go back and practice. When you're failing, go back and practice. When you're aspiring to do something, go back and practice. And so working with voiceover coaches and working in, um, especially uh, within groups of people who are at the same level you are or higher, performing at a higher level, it, it's really important to be in a room with those people so you can get out of your own head and get out of your own feedback loop. and So really, now that you are not involved in group productions or group auditions, you really have to take a course to have that you do. experience, right? So do you still, even though you're at this advanced point of, of this industry, are you still taking courses? Oh, absolutely. Just... Yeah, I do... Um, I do a couple of voiceover workshops every year. I study with coaches um, in one-on-one sessions. I've done that since, you know, I mean, for the last 10, 12 years. And that's in person? No, it's on the phone. Um, okay. I have, I've worked with, there are a number of um, voiceover coaches that work with the established pros. One of them is a brilliant woman named Maurice Tobias. Um, there, sure. there's a guy named David Lyerly. In Los Angeles. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, David, Ly- I worked with, I worked with Maurice. Um, I've worked with her for years. Um, she does voiceover workshops that are just fabulous. I've worked with David Lyerly for um, a while, but David is not coaching anymore. He's now heading up the voiceover department of Riot Games. Um, so he's a he hires video. Uh, I mean, uh, voiceover talent for um, video games. And but I studied with him for a long time. I've studied with I took a bunch of animation workshops with Bob Bergen, who's the voice of Porky Pig. Um, I have worked with Dave Walsh. Um, I have worked with I can't I can't remember several others. And um, it's just, you know, it's incredibly helpful. All the all of the voiceover coaches they have different techniques that they use and different things that they focus on. But the, but the, real, the, the real purpose is to help you get out of your own way 
and let the story come through, whatever it is that you're, you know, to connect with the story. And each of them has their own way of doing it. But I can get in my own way pretty, (laughs) pretty easily. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, it's a lot harder than it sounds, isn't it? It is, and way. it's constantly changing. And that's one of the things I love about the, the book, um, The Ego is the Enemy. Um, he talks a lot about that in there, and he talks about the people who— it's very easy for us to look at these people who are like, you know, rock stars in whatever it is that they do and go, wow, they just must be so incredibly talented and, you know— uh, smarter than me. And a lot of, of what you see is steady effort over a long, long, long time. And you, you don't see that. You, you know, you see the star, you see the person who's done this incredible work, but you don't see going back into the studio and making mistakes and sounding awful. And being okay with sounding awful and coming back to it again and still not sounding good, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. wow. now sometimes uh, I, I know this has got to be this is the case with so many people I talk to. It's the auditions that you think you really kind of sucked at that really will shock you that that you wind up booking these big deals. Oh, of have, course. Has that ever happened to you? Oh God, every day. Yeah. All the time. It's like, man, I blew that. Yeah. Hey, are you available? Yeah. And then the ones that you think you're, you're, you're like, oh, man, this is, I'm man. awesome. I am in. That's, those are the ones you don't get. And then you, you can only imagine, though, where, where the file goes after you send it out. So there oh, yeah. is no feedback. Like you said, you, you become your own feedback loop. Yeah. You don't know if you were the second choice out of 300. Uh-huh. Or whether... They just thought it was terrible. Yeah. Well, it's very subjective, and that's one of the real um, – one of the things that nobody really talks about. I mean, some of these coaches do. Um, not a lot of people talk about the emotional impact of this work. And at some point, I think you have to orient – if you're going to do this for a long time, you have to orient yourself to being satisfied that you've done good work. Because whether it's an audition, you go, okay, that's 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 good. I'm proud of that. I'm going to send it out. But when it leaves your hands, it goes out into the world and it becomes subject to forces that are beyond your control. Well, it's like you're baking a cake, you know. You know, you're baking a cake, and if you get the job, that's icing on the cake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, sometimes I and I I I has I'm, I don't want to talk about what the client was, um, but I booked a job about two months ago that was a dream job. It was a dream job for a network. It was voicing um, a show hosted by a woman about women. The subject matter was so relevant to our Me Too world that we're living in now, and I just thought, Oh, my, and it was on a network that does not have any female promo voices. And I booked, I booked the job. I did the session. The producers loved it. They said, "Are you okay? You're the voice of the show now. Are you going to be here? Because this is really quick turnaround stuff." And I went, "Look, four o'clock in the morning. I don't care. I'm here. Whatever you need." And um, and then. So that I, I did the session the day before. So it was like February 13th. 
And then on the 14th was the hideous um, school shooting in Florida. And all the networks went wall to wall with that for a couple weeks, you know. And I didn't hear anything. And in the meantime, my agent called up and said, they loved you. Oh, my God, they loved you. This is really going to be great. This could be a, a lot of money. This could be a big deal. And I'm like, yeah, and I want this so bad. I can taste it. I'm so excited and proud of myself. And about two weeks later, I got a call bright and early one morning, and my agent said, hey, Roberta, got some disappointing news for you. They gave that job to a guy. And I went, are you freaking oh. kidding me? Are you kidding oh. me? They gave it to a man? I, oh. I was prepared to lose this to another woman. I was not prepared to lose this job to a man. And I oh. was so angry. Wow. Well, it turns out, ultimately, the decision came down from the head of the network because they are really trying to beef up their uh, news presence and their, uh, their brand. And, uh, and he just went, mm, I, I, we don't want a woman for this. And I was not the only woman um, who, there were a couple of other women who had uh, um, opportunities at the same time, and they were also set, uh, their jobs went to guys. If it makes you feel any better, Roberta, every job like that that I've been beaten out, uh, beaten out by a man too. So, so. <laughs> oh, I wish I could have some sympathy for you. <laughs> But good news, bad news travels slow is what I always say about this business. That's right. You know? But the point yeah. the point I'm making is that at some point you you put your best work out there, you do the job. I am satisfied after I raged for a couple of days, I'm satisfied that I did a really good job, that hopefully I made some friends you know, at the network and uh, when it comes time, they will ask me back. But it became subject to forces that were beyond my control. And, you know, that's the hard part of going, but I put, this is my heart. I'm giving you my heart on a, on a platter and you don't, you don't want to use it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to rage. I'm going to rage. Yes. I'm going to go to a cigar bar and throw drinks in the face of every man from here to Portland. Pretty much wanted (laughs) to do that. That might be why I got my tattoo. I don't know. Oh, wow. Well, Roberta, you've brought us a lot of joy today with all these stories. That's a cool deal. You know, I have one example of your talent that you may want to forget about. Yes. But I I want to present that. Um, It is a a day that myself and Terry Wilder and Katie McGuckin and you were in a studio at a radio station, and we did a series called The Roswells. (laughs) Okay, I don't even remember that. It was a story we wrote, uh, a promo about a TV show about a real human wife and the alien husband, which was you. Oh, my God. Seriously? It's time for the Roswells, TV's first intergalactic racial family. Here's the human mom. Hello. Here's the alien dad. Greetings. Their earth alien child. Yeah, what do you want? And the boy from next door. You keep that away from me. It's a mixed up cross world family. So let's join them inside their home as another episode unfolds. Yes. Hello, dear. Come in. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. 
Look, I brought home a friend. Meet Bubba. How you doing? Greetings, Bubba. Well, it's good to be here. Uh, you, a couple of you look kind of strange. My parents don't look strange. Bubba, what yeah. are your intentions with our child? Well, I wanted to find out what gender is it. Huh? It's the Roswells, the family that's out to take over the world, or at least their neighborhood block. Join us next time as Bubba says... What is that strange thing in the bathroom? On the Roswell. I love it. All right. Anything else we've missed in your life? Oh, my gosh. No, I do remember my mother coming on and being Santa's, uh, Santa Claus's wife, M- Mrs. Oh. Santa Claus. And <laughs> I think good. she talked, you know, she talked kind of like a Jewish mother. I don't know why she was doing that. He was a good boy. No, it was Santa's mo- mom. Santa's mom. <laughs> <laughs> If wow. I was such a good boy, I don't know why he became the Santa Claus thing, but whatever. <laughs> so many bits we used to do you can't do anymore. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting thing, that whole political correctness thing, because it's like you you create these characters and um and then years later it's like, nah, that's not cool to be doing that. <laughs> that's right. We had a show um that we did on um I was part of Right Between the Years, the radio comedy show that, that aired out of um, Lawrence for years and years. Heard that a lot. Very, very interesting Too much show, fun. Right and um, and Kip Niven is um, was part of the cast, and he created this. Um, we did, I, I played Marion McPartland, you know, the piano jazz lady. Mm-hmm. And um, and we had Marion McPartland, you know, had this weird way of talking. And, and um, she had on a, this guy named Spiz Darty. And she thought he was, a, you know, the famous jazz pianist, Spiz Darty. And it turns out, no, he was a piano tuner. He, he was just there to tune the piano. But he played it as, a, as an old black guy. And um, we did it once. It was hilarious. And, and Kip was just, you know, amazing. And then we came back and we went, you know what? This is not cool to do this. We, we, can't, we can't do it. And we didn't continue that um, uh, that piece, even though it was very funny and sweet. It wasn't, you know, there was nothing derogatory about it at all. Um, but we just went, this isn't, this isn't cool. Yeah, just hit that uh, electric fence, the PC fence. Can't do it. Roberta, so great to have you join us. It's so good to hear from you. And a lot of people from Kansas City talking about you constantly, oh. you know, it's great talking to you, and hope to see you back around this town soon. I will be back in town very soon, and um, look forward to seeing you both. And I just th- thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. I don't want to stop. I want to sit and have some more beers and <laughs> get another tattoo. That's what I, no. This is the last one. Thank you, Roberta. Thank you. Bye, Roberta. Be well. Bye, bye. <laughs> Now, you might think someone as professional as Roberta Solomon does everything perfect from the word go. But uh, like Roberta and like so many other voiceover artists, sometimes we struggle in the recording booth. It's very easy to enter. Look for our prize patrol in their Mayfield Toyota Tundra. Look for our... (laughs) Why can't I say Toyota Tundra trucks? You try to say Toyota Tundra trucks three times really fast. See if you can do it. I'm going to try it again. It's very easy to enter. Look for our pie. <laughs> now I can't say prize. Prize is like a 100-year 100 100 year membership. <laughs> 
You're going to go to the YMCA, you're going to work out, and you're going to live to be about 200. So you get a 100-year membership. All right. Thank you, Roberta, for letting us show the development side of a project. Man, I love Roberta. So good to see her. Boy, it sure is. Hey, uh, let's look ahead. What's up? Well, next week we got Jim Aylward, a.k.a. The Cheese. <laughs> the Cheese. Creative director. Longtime creative director around town. Cool. Responsible for a lot of cool campaigns. He's going to tell us about that. And we'll talk a little bit about the old days in... Uh, the end of the Mad Men era here in Kansas City. All right. Looking forward to Jim Aylward. Dick and Lloyd's Media and Marketing Mayhem. Come on back. You might love it. You might hate it. It's my favorite freaking show. 